Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. You buy quality real estate and you'll make a lot of money if you hold on. There'll be bad times and you'll have vacancy or you may lose tenants, but if you hold off in the long haul, if you take a 10-year span or a 20-year span, mostly, I can say 95% of the time, you'll end up way ahead of the game. It's that time of year again, tax season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return, and there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean... This is the ultimate rental property tax guide, and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Tom Prakis. How you doing, Tom? Great. How are you? I am doing well and looking forward to our conversation. Tom has over 30 years of experience in the restaurant, nightclub, and sports bar industry. He and his team have sold or leased over 400 restaurants and commercial properties. He's owned over 27 popular establishments throughout Ohio, Georgia, and South Florida. So looking forward to our conversation. Tom, with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? 
Yes. I grew up in the restaurant and nightclub industry by way of my parents that are from Greece originally. And uh, my father and uncles are all in the restaurant business. So I followed in those footsteps and I went into more of the liquor business when uh, in the late 70s and early 80s, when dance clubs and nightclubs were big, I started opening up nightclubs in Ohio. Then it went to a couple cities in Ohio. Then I opened them and moved to Atlanta, opened clubs in Atlanta and ended up ultimately in late 1980s, early 90s in South Florida, where I opened up other clubs. That was my first phase of my life. And now I'm a commercial real estate broker who specializes in hospitality and restaurant properties. Got it. Very interesting. Previously, you were opening up nightclubs across the country. Did you own the real estate where the nightclub was located? I had 28 of them total, so I did own multiple sites that I owned the real estate, but I would say I leased at least 20 of them. I was a tenant, and then I owned seven to eight of the properties that they were in. Okay. And tell us about that business model. Well, it was a little different age in the business. It was more in the days of the Studio 54 days when the disco nightclub business was big. There were big clubs. I just happened to get into that field and had much success in that field with my places. And I grew up mostly just a self-taught marketing guy, marketing my clubs and sports bars. And when you were working on those projects, you now aren't as focused on owning your own nightclubs, clearly, because you, you said you have a different focus. Now, what did you do with those properties that you owned and the ones that you were leasing? Well, regrettably, I sold my last ones in South Florida in the mid-90s, and then I transitioned into the real estate business. I took off a year, and as my wife says, I decided what I was going to do when I grew up, and I got into the real estate end, meaning the hospitality end of it. I specialized. I was one of the first probably companies in South Florida that just did hospitality brokerage and real estate. That was my specialty. And why did you sell them off? Well, I sold them off because I really mean that I needed a change of lifestyle. When you're younger, I was going from 10 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, <laughs> going from nightclub to nightclub. At one time, I had seven of them at one time in one city. So it was a definitely draining business. And then as my children grew older, I wanted to spend more time with my okay. children. Makes sense. That time frame or those hours are not really sustainable for most people, I don't imagine. So now you are focused on, you said hospitality, and will you just describe a little bit more about your current focus? Yes. When you go into a restaurant, a lounge, a club, a food hall, that's what we do. We work for developers, for restaurant groups, and we find their sites and we do all their real estate needs for those sites. Or we sell their businesses, meaning we sell clusters like say there's a chain that maybe has 10 sports bars in an area. They will bring them to us. We will do the financial analysis on them. We'll put a price on it and then we'll market them for sale. And then we can sell them as a group. We sell individual restaurants, nightclubs, or we will do site selection for them. We have a division of our company. We have one person dedicated to just handling franchise operations all over Florida. Mm. What's one of your favorite projects you've worked on? Well, I mean, one of my favorite projects is I'm working on a few really big restaurant projects now in South Florida with a big real estate company here called Crocker Partners. And we're helping even design and we're leasing 
and handling all the leasing for them for uh, a project in Boca Raton called Restaurant Row, which is pretty exciting. It's going to be a five-unit restaurant property right next to a huge mall down here, the Town Center Mall in Boca. And we're working on their Citibank Tower building in Miami, which is in the heart of the business district on Biscayne. And we're bringing in a big restaurant from overseas, from England that's a famous restaurant. We're bringing in to redo the 10,000 square feet of restaurant space there. And we're working on a pier project, which they've redone a $110 million project in Pompano Beach, where the exclusive agents or brokers for the Pompano Pier project, which is exciting. It's got many, many restaurants, properties on it, and it's oceanfront in South Florida. What are your responsibilities for the pier project? We are the exclusive leasing agents, meaning We are hired to find, negotiate the leases, bring them deals, bring them letter of intents to enter into leases for that project. There's probably going to be a combination total of maybe eight to 10 restaurants plus retail down there. So we're handling the whole project. Let's pretend you just signed that contract to be the exclusive leasing agents for the project. Now, what do you do in order to fulfill your obligation or your commitment to get the restaurants and the retail in? Well, now our job is to do what we said we were going to do and marked off to do. Now we've got to fill it and bring them leases that they approve in their square footage price range. Now we bring the tenants. And we have a proprietary database of over 8,000 restaurant tours, restaurant groups, restaurant development companies really all over the world that we get out to. And then what we do is we put together a marketing plan. It's not residential, but we do the same thing. We put together a marketing plan, let's say for a luxury property. We do it for the restaurant site, and then we get it out to our database. And I call it the hot leads that we have. We have about 10 to 20 big restaurant groups that are always looking with us for South Florida. So it's our job to get this out to the public, get this out not to the public, but to the right crowd, which is the restaurant development groups, and bring a lease on the property. Sure, yep, and result getting the lease. And when you do the marketing plan or when you come up with the marketing plan, what are some questions you ask yourself in order to determine what areas you should focus on to highlight when you're marketing the project? Well, every project's different. We have urban projects, we have rural projects, we have suburb projects, we have projects like this that are on the ocean front, which are very rare. This is probably one of maybe a couple spaces left on the ocean in South Florida that you could do this kind of project of this kind of magnitude. So what we try to do is pick out the high points of what we're marketing, meaning is it an urban area where the office drives the lunch business and the happy hour business and the dinner business? Is it like South Beach in Miami? Is it a high concentration of condos and millennials? That's who we would reach out to as far as the restaurateurs or the lounge operators go. Or is it a bedroom community or a suburb where it's more family oriented? So that's our task is to know and reach out to the right restaurant groups to take the space. And it sounds like one differentiating feature that you all have is the proprietary database of all the restaurant companies and or a bunch of restaurant companies and developers across the world. Is that something that you created from scratch or did you purchase that? No, it's something that I created. I started the company 19 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I built up over the years. Of course, when I started, there was hardly an internet and there was hardly a database or email system, but we've collected them and gathered them 
for the last 19 years, and it is proprietary. And our company's a lot different because anybody working it with us has had restaurant experience. We don't hire anybody that hasn't been in the hospitality industry because it's very specialized. What is a challenge that you've come across recently, maybe a story of a challenging project or something, other than what we've talked about already? Of course, we have a lot of demanding clients that give us their properties, and some of them are very expensive projects, like the pier is a $110 million project. So when they put that trust in your hands of leasing it out, there's a lot of, of course, going back and forth with the developers and things that you really have to perform, and you have to be accountable and give leasing reports. We have to be very diligent in our work as far as bringing clients, and then we have to also prove how we're doing it and who we're bringing where when. Probably one of my most challenging deals recently has been the space that I said in the tower in Miami that we brought. My landlord needed a very, very high-end, unique, and they turned down many, many deals that I brought to the table that were very good restaurants that most developers would have said, great, this is great. These developers wanted to We call it amenitize the building, and they wanted something when they lease their office space. It's a million-square-foot building that they want a really name world-class restaurant in there. So it becomes tougher to do as the demands get higher. So you, as a broker, you get paid to get the transaction done, and then you've submitted a lot of different options to your client, and they say, eh, not unique enough, not unique enough, not world-class enough. How do you attract the world-class restaurant and still get the price that you want for it when, in reality, you really need this lead to convert? So it's not having as much negotiating power as perhaps you would if there were a whole lot of options. Yeah, it's very specific in this market. Like I say, it's a really, when they say boutique brokerage, we're definitely a boutique brokerage. And By that, I have to give a lot of guidance, too, to the developers, meaning a lot of developers come to us that have commercial real estate and they have a restaurant space, let's say, and they really don't know what it takes to build a restaurant out, let's say. They don't know that it's multi-million dollar build-outs for a space. They don't realize sometimes how much rent abatement they have to give and what kind of, we call it TI dollars, tenant improvement dollars they're going to have to get to land the right tenant to amenitize the building. So, That's where our expertise comes in, and that's why we have connections with, I say most, I mean there's thousands of restaurant groups, but we do have connections with hundreds and thousands of restaurant groups that we try to match up to a property. That's our expertise. And you mentioned some of the nuts and bolts of the actual negotiation process. Will you elaborate on the main components that are negotiated on a lease with that type of client and that type of customer? You mean to kind of go through the lease? Yeah, I worded that poorly. Basically, what are the different things that are negotiated between the world-class restaurant and your client in order to come to an agreement? Well, there's the term, of course. Most restaurateurs want a long-term lease because they're putting such a large investment in. So it's the term of the lease, the length, and then it's, of course, the terms of the lease, meaning the per-square-foot value of the lease, what they're going to pay per square foot. There's other caveats to those leases, meaning there's also pass-throughs or they call it CAM in some areas, but they're really pass-throughs, how much the real estate taxes, the building insurance for their proportionate share of the spaces, those add up to also big dollars. Let's just say 
the rent is $100 a square foot, the pastures may come in at another $25 to $30 a square foot on a space. Oh, wow. So that has to be dealt with, and that has to be relayed to the client, meaning the restaurateur. So you, what you have to do is, first of all, you have to put together a good package, meaning you have to put together demographics, everything at their fingertip. What we try to do is put together a package that's not only pretty pictures, but captures the real demographics. And we have some proprietary and some commercial applications for commercial real estate that we can just zoom in. We can pull up anything within a one, three, five mile radius. We can get your, not only your demographics, but we can pull up every restaurant, every cafe in that zone. We can give the client a wealth of information about the site that we're trying to interest them in. And then it's our job too, of course, to get the right meaning, move out to the right tenants. If I know we have a landlord who wants a specific kind of use, if he says, I want high-end steakhouse seafood, well, of course, we're not going to put it out to ice cream parlors and to Italian restaurants. We're going to go search the biggest steakhouse seafood companies, restaurant groups in the country, mm-hmm. and we're going to reach out to them with a specific marketing plan that's going to give them all the info at their touch that they need to make a decision. For best ever listeners who have the space that you describe and are looking to find tenants and hire a broker who does what you do, what type of fees are typically charged by a group like yours to engage in a project? Well, we have kind of a standard fee, I want to say, is probably we get 6% of the base rent for the first term, meaning up to 10 years, or or 5% if we do it in-house. What we offer our clients mostly is 5% in-house of the base rent, not the pass-throughs or the CAM, but the base rent for the first 10 years, or 6% if we have to co-broker, and then we would split with a co-broker, because a lot of deals are brought in with other companies, do have restaurant brokers that they use, or they have associations with from New York and Philly and New Jersey that we deal with all the time. Mm -hmm. And when you take a look at this business, relative to other types of businesses. Because from my experience, I haven't interviewed a whole lot of brokers who are focused on what you're focused on. Why do you think uh, there aren't as many focused on what you do versus, say, apartment brokers or office or just residential? Well, because this is a smaller segment of the commercial real estate market. Even though when I started 20 years ago, When you would go to a a retail client or a developer of a mall, they would say, oh, restaurants, they create trash, they smell, we don't want them, we'll put one in the back of the parking lot. Today, restaurant has become a very dominant part of retail, meaning they depend on the restaurants to drive the traffic to their malls, to their shopping centers, whatever. So I just happened to luck out. It took 20 years (laughs) to get lucky, but it finally ended up where we came to the forefront of the retail market. So, but in the world, there's so much more office space. There's billions of square feet of office space in the United States compared to maybe millions of square feet of restaurant space or maybe a hundred million square feet. So just from a standpoint of scale, you're not going to find 20 restaurant brokers in Florida. You may find three or four. You may find five or six or seven in New York City that are When I say restaurant hospitality brokers, that's really 90% of our emphasis. And that's why I say we're very specialized. Yes, you are. And I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Based on your experience as being in the real estate industry and being highly focused on what you're doing, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? 
for real estate investors. I'm an investor also. I buy properties with partners and myself. My best advice is buy prime real estate. I know that's an old cliche, location, 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 but buy prime real estate that will suffice, will handle the debt service if you have to have debt service on it, if you don't buy a cash, and then just hold that property because property historically, if you look over the last 200 years, has gone not a meteoric straight rise up, but it's gone up, up, up. And what I tell people is it's kind of like the Warren Buffett method of stocks. Buy quality stocks and hold them for 20 years, 30 years, and you'll make a lot of money. You buy quality real estate and you'll make a lot of money if you hold on. There'll be bad times and you'll have vacancy or you may lose tenants, but if you hold off in the long haul, if you take a 10-year span or a 20-year span, mostly, I can say 95% of the time, you'll end up way ahead of the game. That's my best advice to a real estate investor. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account that counts free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more. Okay, best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book, I have to say, Art of the Deal. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Many. <laughs> no, <laughs> I made a mistake by selling my properties. When I moved from Ohio, I had a lot of properties, rental properties, commercial properties. I thought I was a genius then. I was younger then, 35 years younger, and I sold them all and made a nice profit off of them. But if I would have kept them, I look back now and I go back and if I would have kept them, it would have been a quantum leap ahead of where I was from selling them. I'm assuming based on that response, you did not 1031 those properties into something else. You just Well, I did 1031 a couple. I didn't 1031 them all because I had a lot of properties in Ohio. I had probably 15 to 20 properties, rental properties, commercial buildings. And I just I paid my tax on my gains tax and I invested again in other stuff and other businesses. And like I say, that's my biggest regret in real estate, but it was 35 years ago. So, What's the best ever deal you've done that we have not talked about already? When you say best ever deal, like for, for my personal portfolio, I bought a building years ago in a South Florida area in a town with a partner of mine. And we made a lot, a lot, a lot of money on it without a lot of money invested. And I can say that's probably my favorite kind of deal to talk about was the low entry and the high exit. And then we did 1031 that deal into another couple properties. But that was my best and my worst. I don't know if you're going to go in the lightning round if you have a worse story, but uh, my biggest mistake. Yeah, please do. Please tell. My biggest real estate mistake was on a property called the Waldorf Towers in South Florida in Miami on Ocean Drive. Famous building when they pan on Super Bowl or when they're in Miami, you'll see this building at 8th and Ocean, and it's a 66-room hotel 
with a neon tower. It's famous, called the Waldorf Towers. It's still called the Waldorf Towers. And my partner and I, I had nightclubs down here in South Florida in the late 80s. My partner and I went to look at it, and we had the contract ready for us to buy it. And the big price tag was, I know this is going to sound weird, but it was $375,000. It was a 66-room hotel on the ocean in South Beach at Maine and Maine. And my partner said, ah, this area looks a little seedy then. And it's true, it was. It wasn't what it is now. (laughs) And I passed on it. And I went back and I thought, yeah, you know what? I'll find another deal. Fast forward 25, 30 years later, from the income that they made, the guys bought it for 375. They bought four of the hotels down there, by the way, a group. They sold that for $56 million. So Just that one or all four? Just the one. Oh. So that's what they made off of it. That's what their cash flow was over the years they had it, and then they sold it for like $27 million. But oh. that's why you shouldn't have me on the show. I'm probably the dumbest <laughs> real estate guy in the world. But at least your viewers can learn from that. Yeah. So if presented a similar project where it's not in the best area, how do you qualify that now, knowing that what you learned those years ago if presented something similar, but obviously not the exact same thing? It's in the time frame. In that time frame, those hotels were going for three seventy five to five hundred and fifty thousand down there. And now they're going for thirty million, forty million dollars. It's a fact. It was a while, twenty five years. And I'm telling you that real estate appreciates not like that's a dramatic example of real estate. You're not going to buy a building in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, I don't think a warehouse building that's going to go up to $50 million from 375000 But I can tell you that even in ad zones, I can tell you this new opportunity zone, real estate zones, there's going to be a lot of opportunity there for people to make money and for developers to come in and make money. I know guys in New York that bought 20 years ago in Brooklyn and Bronx and Harlem, and their buildings have gone up 12, 15 times since then, So their properties. So... I think real estate overall is a great investment for somebody that wants to hold it and isn't anxious to trade. It's not a stock where you can sell it the next day. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? They can go to our website at practicecompany.com. They can call me at my cell number. They can call the office. They can Instagram, Facebook us at practice company, P-R-A-K-A-S company. They can call our offices, 561-368-0003. And then call myself, 561-929-0111. Tom, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I learned a lot. I loved hearing about your background, your approach to the business of hospitality and brokerage, and how you think about matching up the clients and the customers that you're ultimately seeking for your clients, as well as the misses and the hits that you've got along the way. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Guarino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.